Hello and welcome to Beyond the Borderline. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring in a realistic and hopeful way what it's like to live with borderline personality disorder and other mental health problems. My name is Aline and I am your host for this podcast. I want to issue a proviso at the beginning of the podcast, which is that this is absolutely not a substitute for professional mental health and or medical intervention. So please seek out those sources of support if you need them. And I also want to mention that I will be discussing topics such as self-harm and suicidal ideation and addiction that may be triggering for a number of people. I aim not to discuss those topics in a detailed way as I don't really think Think that adds anything to the discussion and does not really fit in with the mission of this podcast. However, in a spirit of being authentic about my life with borderline personality disorder, those topics will be mentioned in this and subsequent episodes. And I will do my best to issue trigger warnings before I start discussions about those or other potentially triggering topics. The music you heard at the beginning of the show was a song called Identity by X-Ray Specs, British punk band from the 70s. And I chose it because I love X-Ray Specs and because identity seems like a really apt topic for those of us with borderline personality and other personality disorders. So that's the music in case you were wondering. Hi, this is Aline from Beyond the Borderline. This is a short mini-sode that I'm doing before the next full episode, which is going to be on splitting. If you have BPD or if you know anyone with BPD, then that's going to be an episode you don't want to miss because it's going to cover one of the main symptoms of borderline personality disorder and personality disorders, and that's splitting. So more on that next episode stay posted i had a very disconcerting experience this weekend and it prompted me to reflect on something which i wanted to share with you let me tell you a little bit about the encounter i was in london and i was buying some jewelry supplies i make jewelry And I was already feeling slightly off kilter because it's a part of London that I find quite triggering due to some of my past experiences. I'd already decided that I was going to go to the shop. I wasn't going to linger around there and I was already feeling a little bit out of sorts. When I was in the shop, someone said, I recognise that voice when I was talking to the salesperson. And I turned and I saw this guy that I was at college with 25 years ago. 25 years ago, I was at art college. And when I look back, I already was displaying symptoms of depression, anxiety, personality disorder, and substance abuse, and certainly of an eating disorder. I remembered that I was absolutely obsessed by this guy for at least two years. I was obsessed and I wanted him to go out with me. And I felt really desperate that if he didn't go out with me or ask me out, then I wouldn't be able to cope. 
And I tried to adjust my personality to become something that I thought he would respond to. He never asked me out. He wasn't interested in me in that way. I remember that I would be devastated when I saw him talking to other women, including a friend of mine, and I would react by getting drunk at the college bar and binging on food on my own, and I would have suicidal ideation and urges. I would flip between loving him and hating him, and the whole thing was exhausting, painful, and awful. When I saw him in the shop, he asked me how I was doing, and he has no idea, as far as I know, that I've been on a mental health journey and that I'm not like many of the people I went to college with necessarily working in the art sector. I had a success as far as I'm concerned, which is that even though internally I was in a lot of turmoil seeing him, even after all this time, I didn't act that way. I was polite. I was brief. I said, I'm making jewellery now and I'm doing a few other things. And when he asked about whether I was in touch with people that I used to know, I'm not necessarily in touch with them now. I said, no, I'm not really in touch with them. I had this urge to kind of hang around and talk to him and start telling him in great detail all about my mental illness and stuff that really wouldn't have been the right thing for me to to share with this person. Not that there's a wrong and a right. I try not to disclose too much about myself to people I don't really know, particularly around my mental health. So I ended up saying, oh, okay, well, really nice to see you. Bye. And walking out. And even though I felt a little bit awkward, I'm so glad I did that. When I got home, I was seriously dysregulated. I had self-harm urges. I really felt all over the place. And I used something that I sometimes do when I have self-harm urges that are are stronger than usual, as I don't really get severe self-harm urges anymore, at least I haven't for a while. What I did is I just plunged my hands into some ice. I just held onto the ice and I find that's quite a good way to temporarily reduce those self-harm urges. I realised after taking a bit of time that I was also feeling really sad and ashamed and to a degree about meeting someone who was working as a professional artist. This guy is a professional artist as far as I know. He was when I last saw him and I'm pretty sure he still is. I also felt shame thinking about the people I knew at college and considering where I am. I found myself judging the way I live and judging my financial situation and judging my work situation. And I realised that I was being really hard on myself while also acknowledging that I was sad. And it is justifiable, I think, to, to feel sad about things that we've lost. And the fact is that one of the things that mental illness has cost me is a potentially promising art career. This interaction got me thinking about creativity and its role in my life. When I was younger, in my 20s, and I didn't have an understanding of how to care for myself, and I didn't understand what I was dealing with internally. And now, 
as someone who is receiving treatment and on medication and managing their mental health condition and who considers creativity to be a vital tool in keeping myself not only sane but also feeling fulfilled, feeling connected to the world and generally feeling happier than I would if I wasn't engaging in some kind of creativity. I think for me the difference is that when I was in my 20s and I was at art school, I was really disconnected from who I was as a person. I had a very unstable sense of my own identity, as is common for people with BPD, and I am pretty sure other personality disorders. I know for certain, in the case of people with BPD, that that's a symptom. And so, although I was and am naturally very creative and intelligent and applied myself at college, it was really difficult to create from a place of feeling and authenticity because I wasn't connected to myself. And I think that to some degree, people in their late teens and early 20s who are venturing into creative arenas are going to be somewhat derivative. I think that's just a part of learning about who you are as an artist or a designer. However, in my case, I think that the added issues around identity and the other symptoms and problems that come along with untreated BPD made it difficult to create in a way that felt ultimately fulfilling unless I was achieving some external validation like a good grade or getting my work into an exhibition or getting praise from someone whose opinion I valued. These days, I do have ambitions to sell my work and if not to make an entire living off it, then certainly to develop my craft to a degree that I sell it for what I consider to be a fair price and I'm regarded as a professional jeweller. That said, I often get frustrated by the should've, could've, would've and I sometimes think, God, I wish I had more time to do my jewellery and I wish I could spend six hours a day on it. And one of the reasons I don't, apart from other commitments that I have, is that I today will not work for six, eight, ten hours at a time without eating or hydrating or checking in with my emotions and my thoughts I can't really afford to do that because self-management is a crucial part of me being able to function in the world to the degree that I do. And without that, frankly, I wouldn't be able to engage in consistent creativity. And that's what I try to remind myself when I start getting really frustrated and thinking that I should be further along and I should be making more and I should be producing more. I will say that this year I'm hoping to organise my time in such a way that I do spend more directed time on my jewellery. However, I don't want that to be at the expense of my health. My question to you then, based on this reflection of mine, is what role, if any, does creativity play in your life? Does it help you with your mental health symptoms? 
Does it enhance your life? Were you creative before you got the treatment that you needed? If you haven't yet gotten the treatment that you needed and you are creative, what sort of things do you do and how do they help you? I'd really love to know. So if you want to share about that, please tweet me at Beyond the Borderline on Twitter. The actual address is at Beyond the B-O-R-D-E-3. So that's at, as in the icon, Beyond the, all one word, and then the same word continued, B-O-R-D-E-3. So that's Beyond the Border and the R on the end is a three. Hope to hear from you and stay posted for the next episode. Bye.